Well, happy Easter to you, friends. A special, special morning to you. We're so glad you've joined us here today, and uh, we're glad yet that, uh, that you're spending Easter morning with us. And what a morning it is, man. The sun is out. It is a beautiful day. It is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, Christ has risen. He has risen indeed, and he is reigning over all things. Amen? Do we believe that? Like, he is reigning and over all things, and we get to celebrate that today. We did that in song, and, and again, now we op- we're about to open up God's Word, and uh, I believe God has a word for us here on this Easter Sunday morning. Uh, if you were with us a couple of days ago for our Good Friday service, uh, we held a service out over in the worship hall in the Pasquarella Spiritual Center just a couple of days ago, and just out of curiosity, who was there just so I know who I'm talking to, okay, a bunch of you guys were there, several of you guys were, that's okay. Um, you'll know that uh, we, we had a, just an amazing, sweet time of worship and, and spending time at the foot of the cross and reflecting on the sacrifice that Jesus made on that Good Friday, all in the name of love, who for the joy set before him, the joy being you and me, he endured the cross. And so we come to Easter Sunday this morning with a slightly different perspective, with a, with a new perspective on the other side of the cross. If, if Good Friday was about sitting in the grief and the pain of the cross and the death of Jesus, today is about walking in hope and joy through Christ's resurrected life. He is no longer dead. He is alive and well, and he is the ruling and reigning king over all. And here's the amazing thing about all of this, friends. Get this. We don't just celebrate Christ's resurrection today. Sure, today is Easter Sunday, and and typically today is the day when the world remembers that Christ has risen from the dead. Churches everywhere, all over the globe, all over our planet, are celebrating the risen Savior, the resurrection of Christ. Today is Easter Sunday after all, but the truth is... Jesus doesn't go back into the tomb after today. Think about that. It's a bit of an odd concept, but I just want you to go with me for a minute. Jesus doesn't crawl back into his deathbed when Easter is over. In other words, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Christ every single day of our lives. Our lives are now marked, believe it or not, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a believer of God and in Christ, your life is now marked by the power of the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection, the joy of the resurrection. Our lives carry, believe it or not, resurrection power. I know some of you don't feel like it. Some of you are like, man, I don't feel like I'm carrying that power. But, but we got to understand, when we walk in Christ and in the resurrection of Christ because of the resurrection of Christ, We've got resurrection power on our lives 365 days of the year. Our lives are forever changed because Christ lives. And for the next several weeks, I want to focus in on the implications of the resurrection. Some of you are like, okay, Christ is risen, and that's awesome, but what does that mean for me? Right? What, what, what does that actually mean for my life You see, today might be Resurrection Sunday, but how many of you know we live as resurrected people every day? And so so honing in on that, sort of focusing in on that concept, I want to look at what the resurrection implies and the applications of the resurrection on our lives. And so we're kicking off a new series today called On the Way, On the Way. And the series will be a short three-part series that will take us to the end of this semester 
By the way, can you believe that after today, we only have two Sunday services left here on campus? That's it. And then, and then it's off to summer. It's, it's just crazy. This year has flown by. I don't know how you're feeling about this point in the semester. Some of you are like, I can't wait. I can't wait for this, this season to be over of my life, whatever. But, and maybe some of you are like, I can't breathe right now. It's just I'm being swamped. But wherever you are, uh, we are uh, going to be spending the next several weeks on this idea of on the way. We're going to be looking at a story out of the Gospel of Luke. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me now to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, there's a story that occurs shortly after Christ rises from the dead. He appears to a couple of his disciples who are on the road on their way to a town called Emmaus. And I want to look at that story this morning and see what God might have for us in this Easter season and beyond. And so, again, if you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. And I'm going to invite Alex to come back up and read today's passage for us. And we'll also have the text up on the screen if you'd like to look along with us that way. Luke 24, 13 to 35. On the road to Emmaus. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was, when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, 
saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alex. Well, friends, as you can see in this passage, we haven't read about the actual resurrection account. Uh, that, that account is not in today's passage. On the one hand, it feels a, a little bit like a sin to not talk about the actual resurrection account on Easter morning. Like, if you're going to talk about the resurrection account, it should be Easter morning, right? But, but, but the, that account can actually be read in the preceding verses of this same chapter in verses 1 through 12. There's a very intentional reason why, as I was preparing for this Easter message, I thought to myself, you know, we could talk about the empty tomb. We could talk about the resurrection account. But isn't it true that most of our lives actually take place not in verses 1 through 12, but actually in verses 13 through 35? What I mean by that is many of us are not living our lives inside the empty tomb. Many of us are living on the way to Emmaus. What I mean by that is we're, we're journeying through this life post-resurrection. And the question that hangs in the balance for, for you and for me is, does the empty tomb have anything to do with the road to Emmaus? In other words, does the res resurrection of Jesus affect my everyday life in any conceivable way post-resurrection? We're calling this series On the Way, and the question that rises in my soul as I read today's passage is what happens when the resurrected Savior shows up on the way? What happens to our lives when the resurrected Christ shows up on the way? You see, the truth is, many of us are, are sort of living our lives. We're going about living our lives, and we might be on the way to Emmaus. Or perhaps in many of our cases, more accurately, we might be on the way to our next class. Or we might be on the way to meeting a friend for lunch. Or we might be on the way to a meeting with a professor. You might be on the way. For, for some of you seniors, you're about to graduate. You might be on the way to graduating. Maybe you're on the way to grad school or med school. Maybe you're on the way to the start of your career, whatever that looks like. For some of you, you're, 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 some of you are engaged, you're on the way to, uh, to marital bliss and some, you know, I, I don't know, but, but we're all on the way to somewhere. We're not camped out in the empty tomb in verses 1 through 12 is what I'm saying. We're living our lives post-resurrection on the way to somewhere. And in a very ordinary way, many of us are living our lives, journeying through life, minding our own business, and just dooming life. And, 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 I, and when I look at this passage, I find that that's exactly what these disciples were doing. Today's story opens up in a very ordinary way. There was nothing special about this road to Emmaus. As far as we know, there was nothing special about the town of Emmaus. We, we, we don't even know who these disciples were, except that one of them was named Cleopas. And they're on their way to what seems like their hometown. They, they're, they're just on their way back from Jerusalem, on their way back home. So just think about this for a moment, okay? Just think about the course of your day for just a moment. Like you get done with a full day of classes, right? Maybe you, got, you get done with a full day of meetings and classes and all kinds of lab work and, and you're on your way back to your dorm or your apartment 
And there's nothing extraordinary about that day. That day just feels like another Tuesday. It feels just like another Wednesday, perhaps. Except on that particular day, Jesus shows up on the way. Imagine that. You're just walking down Pollock and poof, Jesus. It's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? You know, like, that's that's basically what happened. A very ordinary day for these two disciples. Nothing extraordinary about the road to Emmaus or the town of Emmaus. Jesus shows up on the way, and all of a sudden, what would have been a very ordinary trip back home becomes an extraordinary experience. And so the question that I want to put before us here this morning is, what happens when Jesus shows up in our lives. Now, for those of us who have been walking with Jesus any length of time, you would know that when Jesus shows up, life becomes anything but ordinary. Life becomes anything but ordinary. When Jesus shows up in your life and he starts working in your heart and he starts working in your life by the power of his Holy Spirit, you begin to experience an extraordinary change from the inside out what happens when Jesus shows up. He changes us from the inside out. And I want to talk about that briefly here today. Now, normally I would have a nice three-point sermon prepared and packaged for you, neat and tidy, ready to go, and nice silver platter, here it is, right? And and sometimes I might have a 10-point sermon to share. You know, some of you are like, thank God today's not that day. You know, it's like, I, I, you know, for those of you who remember I preached on the doctrine of the church, I went through 10 points. Today, I don't have 10 points for you, Someone say hallelujah, right? So I don't have 10 points for you. I don't have three points for you. I just have one central point that I want to get across for our time this morning. Just one point. And this one point might not be new information to any of you. It might not even seem remotely earth-shattering, this one point. But I do believe if we truly get this point, I believe it has the power to move us from the ordinary to the extraordinary, to move our lives from the mundane, just going about the ordinary business of our day, to an extraordinary life of walking with Jesus. My central point is simply this. Jesus meets us exactly where we are. Jesus loves to meet us exactly where we are. And friends, I hope that this This strikes your soul and your heart as good news today, that Jesus meets us exactly where we are. I want you to notice the opening scene of today's passage. The the text says in verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself, what did he do? He drew near and he went with them. Right? Like Jesus quite literally comes to these two disciples in his resurrected body, in his flesh, in, this, in, in his full glory, and shows up next to these guys, and he begins to walk with them and talk with them. He meets them on the way to Emmaus. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But the next verse is a bit of a peculiar verse. Maybe as, as Alex was reading it, you thought, well, that's, that's a little bit odd. In verse 16, it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Uh, There's a a lot of ambiguity here as to how and why exactly their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. In fact, some some biblical scholars believe that it it was the enemy of their souls who, who was spiritually blinding them to, to, to be able to see Jesus fully for who he was. It was a spiritual attack of the enemy. Others believe that it was because these disciples were so in shock 
from witnessing what they witnessed in Jerusalem, the crucifixion and the death of Jesus, that, that, that like in that moment, they were in sort of a state of trauma. There, were, there, there was, I mean, talk about PTSD, like they, they experienced the death of their leader, their savior, the Messiah that they thought that was going to come and save the world, right? Like they're, they're in shock here, and so their, their ability to perceive Christ fully was inhibited. And still, yet others say, they had no real reason to believe that the person standing next to them was Jesus, because after all, they saw him die with their own eyes just a few moments ago. In fact, as we read in the later verses right of today's passage, you come to find out that like these disciples still didn't fully believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They're like, we thought he was the guy. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought this was it. But clearly it's not. They're in that moment, they were still dealing with some skepticism and disbelief. Now, isn't that something, right? You can have the resurrected Christ standing right next to you and still not believe in the resurrection. Like, I mean, that's, that's a whole other sermon in and of itself, and we won't go there. But, but I mean, that, that's, I want you to see this. Jesus meets us exactly where we are, because in the next verse, he asks him this. He says, what is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? And then the text says, the writer Luke, he says, they stood still looking sad. They stood still looking sad. I read that little phrase right there, and I thought, isn't that the very moment where Jesus was wanting to meet them? Like, you, you see, a lot of us, we, if you know this passage, we, we know it as like Jesus shows up to his disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? Jesus shows up on the road to Emmaus, and, and, and we say that's, that's where Jesus wanted to meet them, on the road to Emmaus. Sure, Jesus showed, showed up on the road, but the road wasn't the meeting point that Jesus had in mind. Jesus didn't just want to meet them on the road. Jesus wanted to meet them in their sadness and their disbelief. Jesus wanted to meet them in their moment of deep skepticism and loss of hope. The road was just the context. It wasn't the meeting point that Jesus had in mind. The road would just happen to be the geographic location of where Jesus showed up, but that's not where he wanted to meet his disciples. Jesus wanted to meet his disciples in that moment where things stood still and they were full of grief and sadness. You see, when, when Jesus meets us where we are, we're not necessarily talking about a, a physical location where Jesus would physically and literally appear in the flesh. Like, we just sort of chuckled at, like, imagine if Jesus just showed up on, like, on Pollock or, or Shortledge, and, you know, he just showed, like, Jesus, Jesus doesn't have plans to literally show up in a physical location in a literal sense, but rather, when Jesus shows up in our lives, you need to understand this, he often comes to us in our moments of sadness, our moments of deep disappointment, our moments of frustration and raging anger. He comes to us when our hearts are broken, our hopes are crushed. Jesus comes to us in our times of weariness and fatigue, and some of us are feeling that, right? Like we're just, we're weary. 
My soul is weary. My body's weary. My mind is just fatigued. Jesus comes to us when we are feeling overly anxious and heavily burdened with you fill in the blank. I mean, X, Y, and Z. You just, just fill in the blank. I'm overly burdened right now. I'm overly anxious right now with dot, dot, dot. Jesus meets us exactly where we are. And friends, I, I saw this no clearer than just this past weekend at our ACF Spring Retreat. We have one of these every semester, uh, one in the fall semester, one in the spring semester, where we just uh, retreat away. And, and I, I got to tell you, this is really just, it is one of the highlights of my year. You know, we often say around here at ACF, if, if, if ACF is your, is your community and this is your, your, your faith community and family, um, you know, we got a handful of things going on. But if, if you come to anything, make it retreat, right? Make it retreat. And, and there's a reason for that. There, there's just, there's something about going away off campus and, and, and with your church family to seek deeper communion with God. Like, it's like, that, that's in, that, in those moments, that's all that matters. And then, and then outside of it, there's like community that builds deeper with one another within the family of God. And, and, and this last one was no different. We just had a great time away, and God met us in some special ways. We played a bunch of silly games and got hurt and playing a bunch of silly games. But it was all, it was all awesome, all for the glory of God. You know? and, uh, now, now, we go from Friday night to Sunday afternoon, and... Um, and uh, if you're plugged into an, another campus ministry, you guys probably have something similar to this. But, but every, at, at every retreat, we have a time on Saturday night called family time. And, and I've talked about this before at ACF before, but we have a time called family time. And, uh, and that time is really an opportunity for the family of God to share what God has been doing over the course of the weekend experience, what God has been stirring and, and, and doing in our hearts and in our lives. And that time is usually just a really just powerful time of like people testifying to, to God's work in their lives, and, and, and it's a time of celebration. It's, it's just basically an open mic, you know, there's nothing, nothing magical about it. We just open up the floor, and, and people just begin to share and uh, testify. But at this past retreat, this last Saturday night, uh, th things took a bit of an interesting turn. We didn't have an open mic time. Uh, we didn't have people sharing or testifying to what God was doing. We ended up having just a simple old prayer meeting. Just a good old-fashioned prayer meeting. We just, for a couple of hours, we, we just spent time on our knees and on our faces before the Lord, crying out to Him. And it, and it struck me, you know, when, again, when Jesus shows up, he moves things from ordinary to extraordinary. I remember going into that time that evening just feeling like, this, this feels very ordinary. You know, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing happening here. There's not, you know, it's like, and then all of a sudden we, we get on our knees and we start crying out to God. And, and I'm like, oh, like things are, things are starting to shit. Things are, things are changing in the atmosphere. Things are moving a little bit. 
And we began by confessing our need for God. It was very simple. We just started crying out for our need for him. We prayed like these desperate prayers for our need for God, and, and we cried out. And, and, and in that moment, again, things started to shift in the environment. Things started to shift in the atmosphere, and all of a sudden, we started seeing walls starting to break down. Where you can tell people's hearts started to break open before the heart of God. And then before you know it, prayers of confession of sins started to well up. I mean, where do you see that? Like public confessions of sin, just being like, Lord, I'm a broken sinner, and here are all the ways that I'm broken, right? Like, and, and confessions of sin started to well up and be offered to God. And, and one by one, voices were being raised with these sort of tear-stained prayers, basically saying, here I am. Here I am. Like, it's like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They stood still. In a way, we stood still and said, here we are, Lord. Here's the, here's the condition of my heart. Oh, God, would you come and meet with me right here, right now? You want to know something? God did just that. He did just that. He began to meet us in that space in some powerful ways. And, and, and I got to be honest. I got to be honest. When when things like that happen, I'm always a little bit surprised. I'm always a little bit taken back. Because I'm like, well, like, again, like, well, what's happening here? Like, this is, this is crazy. God's, God's moving and, and things are happening. And then, and then all of a sudden I remember, I said, wait a minute. This is what Jesus does. He meets us exactly where we are. He loves to meet his people where they are. And by the way, you want to know something that's super encouraging? Just, just I, I love this. Jesus doesn't meet us where we ought to be or where we should be. And I think this is good news for us, friends, because sometimes I think, you know, you got to remember, like Jesus, Jesus shows up to these disciples where they are, not, not where they should be. Eventually, they get to where they should be, and we're going to get to those in the, in the, in the next week, but, but Jesus shows up where they are. You know, sometimes, sometimes I think the assumption that some of us carry around is this idea that Jesus only likes to show up in holy places, like in, in, in holy, righteous places. We think to ourselves, oh, he'll show up in my life when I finally get my act together. Or, or when I finally get my life cleaned up, or when my life is holy enough for him to invite him into, or he'll, he'll, he'll work in my life only after I put in my own work of getting myself fixed up enough for Jesus to come and show up. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Now, listen, the, the prayers that we were praying this past weekend, I'm not going to go into the details, that's not for me to do. I'm not going to repeat any of them, but the nature of those prayers, you need to know, friends, were not flowery, pretty, Easter-colored, pastel-y, like just like, ah, so it wasn't rainbows and sunshine and butterflies, smiles, right? Like, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't full of positivity. They weren't polished prayers. None, none, of, none of those prayers were like super, like, the, the, these prayers weren't prayers that displayed sort of our own righteousness and displayed our sense of holiness. It wasn't like a badge of spiritual honor. Sometimes I think people pray like that. You know what I'm talking about? Like people pray, like, and they pray as if it's like a badge of spiritual honor and elitism, you know, and, that, and Jesus has words for that. Don't, don't pray like the hypocrites and the Gentiles, right? 
I mean, these weren't prayers like these were these were prayers that were broken, hearts wrenching, almost make you feel uncomfortable to sit through, like snot blowing out of your nose kind of prayer, like just just like unfiltered, unhibited, complete, just the, the, these crying out before God that, that displayed not our sense of righteousness, but our utter need and dependence on God. It wasn't a display of my righteousness and my holiness and, oh God, look, I'm holy enough for you to come and show up in my life. It's like, oh God, I am so broken, sinful, and in need of you. Oh God, would you come and meet me here in that place? I need you every moment of my life. Every day of my life, I need you, and it's in those places God loves to meet us. He meets us, not where we ought to be or where we should be, but he meets us exactly where we are. And friends, I wonder today, on this Easter Sunday, I wonder if there's a place in your life, any place in your life today, where God is wanting to meet with you. We began the service opening up by saying, oh God, no matter what, what point in the faith journey, no, no matter what point in the faith spectrum I find myself in, the prayer is very simple. Oh, God, would you come meet with me? Jesus, would you come meet with me here in this place? I wonder if there's a place in your life where God is wanting to meet with you, a place where Jesus wants to make himself known to you in a very real way. You know, I find it interesting that the first thing that Jesus did when he rose from the dead is he shows up in the lives of some of his disciples. Like a couple of guys that we don't even know their names except Cleop. Like he, he shows up to his friends and his disciples. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute, right? Like if you were Jesus and you just rose from the dead, what's the first thing you might do? Knowing everything that you just kind of went through and gone through, I mean, like, if, listen, if I were Jesus and I rose from the dead, I could think of at least a couple of things I would do right off the bat, okay? I mean, I, like, one would be I, I might pay a visit to the Jewish leaders and the Roman officials, you know, they handed me over. I, I might pay Pilate a visit, you know, being like, yo, I'm here. It's, it's me in the flesh. Like, you can hold me down, you know, like, I, I, I may, I may just rub it in the faces, of my mockers, the scoffers, the people who spit on me, beat me, flog me, be like, how you like me now? You know, like, I, I might, I might. Now, now, listen, if that's too in your face, if that's too bold face, another option, just a, a more passive option, would have been, I, I would have even entertained just fast-forwarding the story to the ascension. You know, it's like the part where Jesus ascended into heaven, right? You remember that? Like, in, and, and he, he returns to the Father. If I were Jesus... And I just rose from the dead, I might be inclined to say, okay, Father, beam me up. I'm ready. I, my job is done. Like, this is it. I, de I went to the cross. I rose from the dead. Death is conquered. Evil is conquered. Satan is vanquished and all these things. I'm done. My job is done. Mission complete. Time to go home, right? But the scripture tells us that Jesus stuck around for, for another 40 days after he rose from the dead. In those 40 days... He doesn't pay the Roman officials a visit. He, he doesn't pay Pilate a visit. He goes around to his disciples, his various disciples. He shows up in the lives of his disciples over and over and over again, upwards to 500 different times. He shows up to his disciples. For what purpose? Why? 
Like, why would that be the first thing that he does when he rises from the dead? I believe it was to let them know, to let his followers know, hey, number one, I'm alive. I'm here in the flesh. Death is conquered. The enemy is vanquished. I am here. I'm alive. And as long as I'm alive, I'm ready to meet you wherever you are. Wherever you are. You might be on the road to Emmaus. You might be on the road to, you know, to your next chem class or your physics class. You might be on your way to graduating to bigger and better things. But no matter where you are, as long as I'm alive, I am ready to meet you wherever you are. Do you see how that's good news for us? So no matter where we are, as long as Jesus is alive, he is ready to meet us wherever we are. And whenever Jesus meets us wherever we are, hear me, friends, our lives move from very ordinary to extraordinary because that's what the resurrection is. At the end of the day, resurrection is moving from ordinary to extraordinary. Death is ordinary. We're all going to face death at one point or another, but resurrection, that is extraordinary. And when the resurrected Savior shows up in your life, friends, hear me, your life moves from meh, very ordinary, to a life walking with Jesus where Jesus meets us where we are. Now, all of a sudden, our lives become extraordinary because that's what the resurrection does. That's what the resurrection is. Moving from ordinary to extraordinary. And friends, if Jesus showed up to a couple of guys on a road on the way to Emmaus, I have to believe that the resurrected Savior is able to meet you wherever you are today. I want to invite the worship team to come forward, and as we come to prayer here this morning, I just want to encourage us to, to come before God. And uh, we're going we're gonna to close out with, um, uh, with, with a little bit of worship here at the end here. But before we do, I just want to encourage us. By the way, um, I, I think you caught on. Um, I did not um, touch a significant portion of today's text. I only covered a small portion of today's text, and that's on purpose. And next week, we're going to unpack this text a little bit further in greater detail. And uh, in part two, we're going to talk about where Jesus is wanting to take us, okay? Like, we need to understand, it's, while it's great news that Jesus meets us where we are, Jesus doesn't leave us where we are. He doesn't just show up and be like, I'm here, cool, let's talk, and then leaves, and then leaves you on the road to Emmaus. The text says that Jesus walked with these guys back home, walked, they walked with them back to Emmaus. Some say it was seven miles, some say seven miles round trip, regardless of whatever it was, Jesus walked with them. He, he was, here's, here's the interesting thing about this. These disciples thought that they were, they were setting the trail, they were setting the travel agenda. We're going back home to Emmaus. Jesus shows up, and all of a sudden, the leadership role is switched. Now it's Jesus leading them. Except he's not leading them back home, but he's leading them to greater revelation, to deeper life change. And we're going to unpack that just a little bit more next week. Jesus doesn't just meet us where we are. 
and then leave us where we are. He meets us where we are so he can take us someplace. He takes us someplace that is deeper and richer than anything we could fathom or imagine. He takes us from ordinary to extraordinary, from a mundane kind of life to, oh, this is the adventure of a lifetime, walking with Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever really experienced the great adventure of walking with Jesus. I'd love to invite you to pray with me. And maybe God might be wanting to meet you right there in that space and say, hey, maybe today's the day you start that journey with me, walking with me.